you're in uncontrolled airspace. EAA Radio welcomes back the long-running general aviation podcast, Uncontrolled Airspace, to share the microphone for 90 minutes of virtual hangar flying. Now here are the voices in your head, the UCAP gang, editor Jeb Burnside, journalist Dave Higgin, and new media producer Jack Hodgson. Good morning and welcome to Oshkosh. And welcome to Uncontrolled Airspace, the General Aviation Podcast. We are coming to you uh, once again, uh, making our annual annual uh, pilgrimage to uh, one of our favorite places on Earth, the uh, grounds of the uh, 2018 edition of the EAA Air Venture Oshkosh Air Show. Uh, I'm Jack Hodgson, and uh, I'm here with uh, my partner and good friend uh, Dave Higdon, uh, who, and we're going to spend the next uh, hour and a half talking with some of our friends and reminiscing about the week and, and maybe some of our past air ventures as well. Um, our uh, par- third partner, uh, Jeb Burnside, had to leave early, so he's gone, uh, which is, I can't give him too much of a hard time because I had to arrive late, so it's one of those years. But uh, good morning, David. How are you doing? Uh, well, I'm um up ambulatory, not in the morning, no bit. So I'm, I'm I'm off to a good start. I saw you wander out this morning from the campground and come back with three cups of coffee. All right. Well, I didn't want to be like some people and come back into empty-handed yeah, in well, case somebody else wanted that's one. That's your story, and you're sticking to it. But I saw you drink at least two of them. So there you go. No, number three. He's on three. He's got three in his hand right now. Um, we're also being joined right now by another two, two more of our very good friends. Uh, Amy Lebote is here. Hi, Amy. How you doing? Hi. And do you know this has been one of my 10-day Oshkoshes? There are very few of those. There are very few. We're very lucky to get you on Sunday morning. Usually we get you earlier in the week on the podcast, um, and you usually bug out. And uh, we may talk a little bit later on about why you are still here on Sunday morning. But but we are the big winners in that regard. And also here is James Winbrand, who uh, we haven't talked to in a while, at least on the podcast. How are you doing, James? No, I'm doing great. And uh, I guess day nine of my usual 10-day here, so it's been great. It's been fantastic, and wonderful to be with you folks again. It's great to have you. It's great to hear. Amy's been on EAA radio all week long, and we're going to probably hear some stories about that. James has been writing for the AirVenture Today Daily all week long, and uh, I expect we'll hear some stories about that. Uh, David's been drinking coffee. Right? <laughs> no, David. David continues to be one of the hardest working people at AirVenture. All right, uh, doing a lot of different things, right, David? Yeah, this is uh, this is like mining for gold for some of my clientele, and uh, and then doing some of the dailies with uh, Jeb, and then solo, and then with Jack back, and uh, yep. so it's not been a dull week by a long shot. Yeah, we are out here once again uh, on the very edge of the flight line. We are in the announcers stand, uh, where uh, normally the uh, the air show announcers will be reporting the activities of the day. Um, but we've taken it over for an hour and a half here, and we have an awesome view of airplanes that are coming and going. Nothing like the sound of a T6 prop tips breaking the sound barrier. There you go, yeah. Um, we're going to be talking about a lot of airplanes. We're doing something a little different this year. Um, uh, many of you will be listening to the audio version of this podcast as usual. Um, we are also, uh, a listener came up with a great idea, which was for us to also, since we talk about things we see on the flight line, why don't we record some videos? So we've got a, just a couple of cameras aimed at the flight line um, that we're recording. Unfortunately, you can't see them live, but uh, we will be uh, doing something with that, matching it up with this audio so that you can sort of get a... A, a, a video-enhanced version of the podcast. Uh, and I've, David's made me promise not to put him on it, so it's not enhanced in that way. But <laughs> That's yeah. just... Yeah. Um, we saw earlier that uh, uh, the uh, newly restored B-20, B-29 dock 
has already, we don't know if they've departed for keeps or if it's just out giving a ride, but uh, they took off um, while we were in pre-show here. Um, From what I heard earlier with uh, some of my friends, some of my friends in Wichita have spent months qualifying as crew on that airplane. Mm-hmm. And I believe they're headed uh, southbound to Kansas. So they're gone for the day. For I the, believe the week, so. The yeah. 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 But there's still a lot of activity. Um, the uh, uh, the, uh, the uh, Bombardier, right? It's Bombardier or Canadair? It's uh, Canadair. Canadair. Um, Viking uh, fire bomber is uh, taxiing out now or being towed out. Uh, onto the uh, from the center, from the uh, west ramp from Bowling Plaza. So they're just getting ready to fire up those big round engines. Yeah, the right they're side turning right now. now. Yeah, yeah. If anybody's actually looking at this video, you're seeing that airplane right now. Um, That's a CL two fourteen. Yeah, and it's right. been superseded by the four fifteen, which is a turboprop version with even higher capacity. These things can scoop up a load of water by just skimming the surface yeah. in and about seven or eight seconds they're full. They are, in fact, cranking those engines right now, the one on near side here, uh, just starting up with a big puff of smoke uh, coming out. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that as it, as it taxes out. Um, but a lot of airplanes, all different sites. I, I see a uh, Bonanza uh, now on the takeoff roll and uh, just lifting off. Uh, we've got a biplane. Is, that a, uh, is, that a, is it a Stearman or is it a... I'm not sure what that biplane is. No, because it's actually got... Um I thought I saw a canopy open. Uh, possibly, possibly. And then a, I'm gonna I'm gonna hazard to guess that this is a 170. Yeah. The tail dragger, uh, uh, silver and red, uh, that's taxiing. Or even by. a 180. Well, I think they're, it they're might be a 180, early 180, because yeah. it's got the extra windows. Yeah. yeah, that's what I see too, so, Dave. Uh, there are a lot of 170s here, though, because this is the 70th anniversary. Of the 170. Oh, I didn't so know that. Okay, yeah. A one. number of pilots made it a point to be here that might not otherwise be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it's been an interesting week. It's. I mean, I've only got two days of it. David, how, how? and all you guys were here all week long. The crowds seemed to be good. The weather was had its moments, but generally was very good. Yeah, we, uh, well, this is day 11 for me. Yep. Uh, arrived Thursday evening, uh, Thursday night at storm. Friday. It's storm. Saturday, it's storm. Not full time, just enough to make you, you know, run for shelter. Sunday, they were arriving IFR until about 11 in the morning. Right, right. And then it was Katie bar the door coming in VFR. Yeah. Uh, And then we had really beautiful weather until Wednesday evening when just about the time the night air show was supposed to start. Mother Nature said, I'm going to dampen your spirits just a tad. <laughs> uh, EAA very wisely rescheduled to Thursday night for that show. Uh, great Friday, Saturday Saturday night, we had a beautiful night air show and fireworks. Uh, but the crowd has been tremendous. Uh, it was amazing how quickly they filled the North 40 uh, and then started running them south toward the Fond du Lac city limits mm-hmm. and got full down there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, the buildings have been full. Uh, there were times when you, you almost had to shoehorn your way through. The vendors have been smiling all week. People are buying. Uh, the mood's really upbeat. Uh, we're not having any big clashes with our friendly aviation agency. Uh, things seem to be moving along. There was some good news uh, from the light, for the light sport people that there's a rulemaking in progress 
that if completed successfully will raise the weight limit on light sport aircraft oh, okay. yeah. to, to match the European limit. All right, let's talk about that a little bit later on. Let's just, yeah. but just sort of, um, Amy and James, how's the week been for you? You, uh, Amy, you were in the radio station all week long. And, uh, I was. Um, did you get out and about much? Not as much as I'd like to, but yes, according to my, to my step counter... I made my five miles or more a yeah. day, which is always always my goal here at Air Venture. So I got through all the exhibit halls. I did get to walk around. I think the only thing I missed was the the fun zone, fun fly zone, which is ultralights. Yeah, I want to talk about that too a little, in a little bit too. That's uh, they, did, uh, they didn't have a treadmill in a radio station or something. <laughs> did no, there were no treadmills. <laughs> I I got all the way down to Warbirds and. And I was working my way towards the the fun fly zone. I did drive under it a couple times on my way in and out uh-huh, to work. Yeah, yeah. So. And James, how about you? Uh, you actually do get out because you have to go out and talk with people uh, for the newspaper. Or I get to talk to people, depending on how you look at it. <laughs> I, I prefer the latter. And, uh, fan- obviously, the, the people here, as they say, wonderful airplanes. But it's all about the people. And I did have a chance to meet a number of great people and people who really had the spirit starting with that weekend when the weather was a bit on the inclement side. I got in on Friday myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably could have done a visual, but they were having people that had slots filed do the approach in. And uh, that weekend, of course, we did have some soggy weather, and I went out to talk to some of the folks who had arrived early. Their spirits were not at all dampened and talked about all the things they were doing and all the ways you could have Fun without sun at Oshkosh. <laughs> there are plenty of them. That <laughs> well, is correct. You know, and I get that that was a thing earlier in the week because by the time I arrived, the weather turned just beautiful. And, yes. Uh, um, yeah. It's it's looking to be a little bit warm and humid today, Sunday, but yesterday was a spectacularly beautiful day. We had day. gorgeous the weather. Temper was, temperature and humidity was just perfect yesterday, if you ask me. And, uh, uh, I agree with you completely. Yeah. I spent the afternoon outside watching airplanes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the uh, Canada Air... Some of you may be able to hear this in the background, but that rumble you're hearing is that CL-214 waiting for the oil to get warm enough to take off. Yeah, and as our luck always holds, it will probably take off during the break, which is coming up in just a couple minutes here, but uh, <laughs> well, we'll see how that goes. It's uh, Yeah. Um, what else has been going on? The uh, We saw the uh, the Aeroshell team take off just a few minutes ago. They're likely coming back. They go out and do practice and do rides and, and I whatnot. just saw one of the only Waco Classics on Amphib floats go by. I saw that. That's what, that's what that was. What makes that special? Just Again, one floats? more time. How many biplanes have you seen on Amphib floats okay. yeah. recently? Yeah. <laughs> It, it must be a whopping 85-knot cruiser with those floats on there. It was never very fast, even without the floats. And that's not the point of it anyway. <laughs> mm-hmm. yep. um, we also saw a, a B-17 took off before we began. Um, I believe it was the aluminum overcast, the EAA uh, B-17. And uh, um, yeah. it was... Uh, you know, it's it's still a happen in place. If you are, you know, and, and Sunday, the show is not over. Uh, there's a, a better part of a day left to go. Um, there's an air show, this, air show this afternoon. There's still a lot of, of show planes here to take a look at. James, yeah? Still time to put a rivet into uh, One Week Wonder. Well, yeah. Unfortunately, it is. I, mean, I don't know whether they're going to get to taxi yet. They're supposed to taxi before the day is out. And, 2.30, and if, they officially end. and they, Oh, it's still 2.30. Oh, okay. As of yesterday, I talked to the folks who were running it, and they said they're on track. Yeah. So, so we're, hope, uh, we're hoping to get a visit from Charlie Becker, the guy that spark plugs that whole yeah. program, and uh, give us an update. 
Yep. In and, the meantime, uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes to uh, tell you more about what we're seeing here this morning on Sunday morning at Air Adventure 2018. In the meantime, uh, you're listening to a very special episode of Uncontrolled Airspace on EA Radio. I'm Frank Borman. I commanded Gemini 7 and Apollo 8. I'm Jim Lovell, commander of Apollo 13. I'm Al Worden, command module pilot on Apollo 15. And you're you're listening, listening to EAA Radio. Dave Higdon has realized his friends aren't being honest with him. Him talking about himself was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize for Fiction. Back now with more Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio. We're back here at uh, uh, Uncontrolled Airspace at uh, on EA Radio, AirVenture 2018. Live at the 2018 AirVenture again. Right. Yeah, they keep inviting us back. Uh, well, you know, go figure. The uh, the uh, Aeroshell team just uh, just uh, cruised in for a land. Actually, they're they're completing. Is this the fifth ship? Maybe the uh, yeah um, yeah. They made this kind of beautiful approach, a short approach from the uh, from the east, and uh, now turning uh, final, the last of the uh, Aeroshells. And just about coming over the blue dot, which is a, sort of the beginning of the runway up here on the uh, north-south runway, and uh, cruising in here. Yeah. That may be the preferred way to approach and get yourself on the runway in the future. The loss of control NTSB Roadshow showed up here, and one of the things they talked about during the forum was not squaring the pattern. Oh, see, David talked about this. All right, David, you just woke David up. What's, <laughs> what do you have to say about that, David? Uh, it's something that uh, I, my hang gliding taught me. Uh-huh. Some of the fields, as our gliders got better, some of the fields became too small to do the kind of square box stuff that we had been taught. So we did inside the tree line, continuous descent, and a 180 turn to final. And when I started my primary training... My flight instructor said, "This is, you know, if you have a uh, an engine problem or you need to get down quick, this is the way to do it." And what I love about it is, we, we called it a carrier approach, it, because if you look at World War II footage, that's what the guys did, so they could keep the end of the carrier in sight all the way through the turn. And that's what I like about it. I can see the arrival end of the runway all the way through the 180, never lose sight of it, roll out, and you're home. Mm-hmm. And in terms of loss of control, you're not doing a 90-degree turn, maybe getting pushed a little past the center line, oh, okay. deciding, oh, i got to overbank a little more, loss of control. Yeah. yeah. So that's one of the recommendations Interesting. or one of the, the things they're looking into. It, and, uh, you know, and if it's safer, that's the most important thing. It's a very pretty approach, I've always oh, thought. Oh, yeah. Well, um, yeah, and it's very easy to teach because you, put, you tell the student to put the wingtip on the end of the runway and start turning. And just keep it there. Yeah. So it's a turnaround a point, which is already something they've learned. But it boy, works. Yep. Man, does it ever cook up a debate with some of the older pilots. And, uh, I did, you know, Aren't we some of the older pilots? <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that, David. Uh, <laughs> gee, you know, you, you know, you're right. It's, it is all relative, Amy. Uh, but the, uh, to me, the important part is learning to do both and then do what's right for the circumstances. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. The airplanes continue to uh, be rolling around here. Uh, uh, a lot of uh, just uh, general aviation, you know, personal airplanes taking off in front of us. The uh, the uh, Viking fire bomber is on the taxiway, and it's a very, I don't know what I want to call it, democratic egalitarian thing. It's lined up behind a VTAIL Bonanza and a, a Waco biplane. 
um, just waiting its turn to, to go down to wherever it is it's headed. And the Cherokee behind is giving a wide berth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Caution, <laughs> wait, caution, prop turbulence. Yeah, and then there's right, a yeah. commander behind that and Beautiful a Comanche airplane. behind that. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, and a 150 or 152 behind that. Yeah. There's the Waka Classic on Amphib Float. Yeah, there oh, it is. There he's, now he's on his roll. Uh-huh. And it looks like that's a... It looks like that uh, 35 Charlie Bonanza uh, got the third window. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. What a pretty airplane. I was mentioning what a beautiful day it was yesterday. Um, as the sun was setting last evening, I was, we, you know, we're staying over in uh, Camp Scholler in the uh, Camp Bacon encampment, David and Jeb and I. And uh, I wandered over to the edge. To, we're, we're sort of near the south edge of that part of Camp Scholler. And I wandered over to the edge of the basically the fence line um, of, of Camp Scholler, and I was standing there. Remember, I was looking at the what drew, drew me over there was the powered parachutes were flying um, from uh, from the ultralight field, and that was kind of cool. Um, and that triggered a memory for me, which is that my very first Oshkosh ever, um, I camped somewhere right along that fence line. All right, it was uh-huh. uh, it was my first time ever. I had uh, flown in um, with a buddy. This is when I was living in California. We flew in from California in his Bonanza. Uh, we were unable to park here. They were I don't know, remember exactly what the situation was, but they wouldn't let us into to, uh, Whitman. So they diverted us to Fond du Lac. We landed at Fond du Lac. I had all my gear packed up in uh, relatively small uh, containers. Took the shuttle bus up here to... Uh, to the grounds. The grounds were much ne- smaller than then. This is 28 years ago. The grounds were smaller. The buses um, dropped us off what is now, it's actually now the bus drop off outside the uh, new tower building. Mm-hmm. Um, back then, that was outside the airport fence. That was uh, all uh, public property. The, uh, I'll pause this story for a second to say that the Viking air, uh, fire bomber is now on the takeoff roll, uh, heading uh, on southbound departure here. I don't know if you guys can hear that. How can they not hear that? I can feel it. That's a pretty impressive looking airplane. And of course, the takeoff roll is relatively short without a without a fuselage full of water. Full of water or retardant of some yeah. sort. Yeah, right. It's uh, yeah, and now he's doing a pretty decent climb out. That's impressive. Yeah, yeah good stuff. So oh, it's uh, designed. It's designed to come in small lakes, pick up water, and then highly maneuverable to get yeah. up. Uh, all mission-oriented. Yeah. So back in 1991, when I arrived for that first visit to Air Venture, um, the bus dropped us off there um, at the uh, just outside what was then outside the fence. Now it's well inside the fence. And uh, I carried, picked up my gear. I had my my little little uh, uh, dome tent and uh, a bag of you know clothes and whatnot, and hiked into uh, Camp Scholler. I had sort of done a little research, so I sort of vaguely knew what I was doing. Mm-hmm. But never having been there before, I wandered in. I must have walked sort of near where the Red Barn is, the the, the uh, grocery store, the, right. the, uh, the camp store, and then went. And I probably walked right across, actually. Now that I think about it, the, uh, the what is now Camp Bacon. I probably walked right across there because I it was full. There were no places. I mean, it was like mm-hmm. like you know shoulder to shoulder campsites. And so I just kept walking, looking for a uh, a place to uh, to pitch my tent. And I ended up all the way down at the fence line. Now there's a road there that goes right against the fence. At the, back then, there was about maybe 10 feet of grass between mm. the fence and the little road over there. And I found a little patch of grass that was barely <laughs> big enough for my little dome tent. And I pitched my tent there um, along the fence. 
and uh, it was dark. It was like must have been ten or eleven o'clock at night by now, and uh, and and rolled into my tent and and fell asleep. And then I woke up the next morning. I could see the light through the the, the tent that it was clearly you know da- daylight, and I heard this funny buzzing sound. I couldn't what the buzzing and the buzz. and I stuck my head out the tent uh, and looked around and and the first thing I saw at Oshkosh was the ultralights flying that morning, oh, great. Um, doing the big circle out there. And that was before they. Lengthened the runway by one eight three six by a considerable Probably amount. Probably was, yeah. But uh, that's my first earliest memory of, of coming to uh, Air Venture was uh, was trudging over there, finding a little spot, but getting up in the morning and hearing the noise, and then realizing, oh, that's airplanes. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that was Great. pretty cool. Um, as the morning goes on, I'm going to ask you other guys what your first memory of Air Venture was. But uh, we're coming up on our break right now. Uh, the uh, we're told that the B-29 dock is uh, is someplace holding and is going to either return or do a flyby or something like that. And so hopefully we'll be able to describe that oh, for that'd you. Oh, that'd be cool. Um, but in the meantime, we've just got a lot of airplanes coming and going here, mostly going. Um, but uh, it's, uh, you know, what else has been going on? The, the, uh, the ultralight field is interesting. How much time? We've got like a couple minutes here, I think? Yeah, three minutes. Um, the uh, ultralight so I still call it the ultralight field. I think a lot of people call it the ultralight field, and it will always be. Um, but now what are they calling it, Amy? You said earlier. The fun fly flying zone. zone. Fun fly yeah. zone. Yeah, we used to call it the farm. The farm. That's what people would call I knew there was a name for it. I couldn't remember what that it was. It is a farm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, there's no question about but, that. But uh, it's, it's a very, you know, so about... David, what was it? Eight or so? You, you referred to it earlier as a nadir, right? A nadir. Right? Yeah. The, the, the low point for the farm, right? When it got really sparse down there, and uh, there were, wasn't a lot of activity, and there were fewer vendors and things like that. Um, and that was about maybe eight-ish years ago, give or take. Um, and then things started to change, and more activities started flowing down there. The LSA folks arrived. Um, a lot Cafes, of other things. so there's yeah. place to eat. And now, man, it's a happening place. It is as densely, you know, concentrated with stuff. Well, the any helicopters other are down there. The now. helicopters are down there. Like you, like James said, there's a couple of nice cafes down there now, um, and uh, and a lot of evening activities on on evenings when there's no night air show. Uh, there are they had uh, two nights this year. They had I think they called it the Twilight Flight Fest or something like that, uh, um, where they had the uh, who, who are those uh, uh, powered parachute guys that have lights Paradise. and they swing? What are they? Paradigm, uh, and uh, so they're down there doing their show uh, for for uh, you know, th- on those two evenings. Mm-hmm. Um, the uh, some a group called the Flying Cowboys, all right, which is a uh, a group of uh, uh, sort of uh, off uh, backwoods, you know, uh, uh, fat tire, if you will, mm-hmm. uh, uh, pilots. So they're tail draggers. We're down there doing doing. Let's see if I can do it, David. Stall, stole, stole. Remember, stall. see, I like. Always- it's like Stoli without no, the eye. No, no, no. That's not going to work for me. I can't. I cannot remember an aviation thing with a vodka reference. That's just wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, they. So that was down there one evening, a couple of evenings. Um, there's just a lot of fun things. If if you come to Air Venture and don't go down to the ultralight field because you think, well, I'm not an ultralight person, then you're missing stuff. Yeah. Because um, there's a lot of interesting things going on down there. Um, so. Uh, and on I, the way, you could run across a foam aircraft. I want to hear about that, too. That's on my list for sure, James. I was tickled to discover that you wrote the article about that because I want to hear your your impressions of that. Sure, Um, But uh, I think we're coming up on our break here. Uh, It's just a beautiful morning, Sunday morning here at uh, AirVenture 2018. The Aeroshell team is parked right out in front of us here uh, and uh, waiting for their next mission. 
uh, airplanes all lined up. I see one, two, three, four, five, six. Must be about ten airplanes uh, on the uh, on the taxiway, waiting waiting to uh, go into uh, position. Excuse me, to line up and wait. And uh, they, uh, it's just a lot of beautiful things going on. A lot of airplanes. Some people have left, but still a lot going yeah. on here. Um, in the meantime, oh, wow. they're going to wait for this jet back there. Yeah. Oh, words. Is there a jet it's, lined up to take off? It is lined up at the end of the runway. Yeah, okay. You'll see. All well, right. We'll, we'll, hear. Hear. we'll see, but we won't hear because we've got to take a break. Um, we'll be back in just a few minutes to talk more about uh, AirVenture 2018. You're listening to a very special episode of Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio. You're tuned to EAA Radio, 96.5 FM, 1210 AM, and online at eaaradio.net. Jeb Burnside has solved the problem of leaded fuels in aviation. I consider Uncle Jeb's Backyard Avgas to be a a rational company. Back now with more Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio. I'm I'm losing track here. Is is Jeb taking more than his fair share of the the, uh, Mike Morgan love this morning? You know, I've been wondering about that. Of course, we didn't. We didn't get to see it, the the two of them together, but it does make me suspicious. Oh, I never does thought of it that suspicious. way. Maybe some brown bottles changed hands or something like that. <laughs> oh, but wait a minute! I would think that the bribery would get him less exposure, not more. <laughs> I'm not sure. You never know with barley pops. That's right. We're back here on the on the flight line of Air Venture 2018. Uh, I'm Jack. I'm here with Dave and Amy and James, um, and uh, we're just like you know, it, it's hard to do. You, you wanted you, we we came here. We want to do a podcast and talk to you folks and tell you what what's going on. But it's just such a spectacular sight here. Oh uh, yeah. Yeah, we are we are like kids in a candy shop. Yeah. We are so distracted. Yeah, it's it's such a treat to be able to get up here on the uh, on the on the announcer stand and get this spectacular view of the field and of the operations in front of us. And uh, it's um, some, sometimes it makes us go. Yeah, look at that. I I literally found myself speechless a moment ago. It's like going, oh, that's really cool. Oh yeah, right. Talk on the podcast. So yeah, beautiful morning. It is turning out to be warm. Fortunately, they've lowered the awning for us out here, so we got a little bit of shade. But uh, um, it's uh, yeah, it's just beautiful. Lots of airplanes taking off here, and uh, uh, the occasional show plane uh, coming and going. There was a fighter plane came by uh, just as the uh, break was starting. Uh, yeah, uh, FA eighteen went out. That was uh, good and loud, good and loud, turning uh, your tax no- dollars into decibels. Uh, and, uh, nothing like twin turbojets. Yeah, yeah. We're being joined right now by uh, a new friend of the podcast and uh, an interesting, I don't know what to characterize, player in the uh, aviation world here. Uh, Sean Chuplis is with us. Sean is the owner and, uh, I don't know, founder, head bottle, chief bottle washer of <laughs> Crew, Dro- Crew Dog Electronics. Hi, Sean. How are you doing? Good, good. Excited. This is my first Oshkosh. Um, so, like you mentioned, being a kid in a candy store, definitely feeling that. Uh, been going to air shows since I was a kid, but I, I spent a majority of my life in the military, so it's the first time I actually had time off to come here, and it's uh-huh. just... I think to call it an air show is a little unfair. This is kind of like an air experience being with all these people. So I couldn't agree more. Absolutely, absolutely. What uh, You're here uh, showing off uh, some uh, new products, new ideas. To tell us about that. What are you doing? Yeah, so what I make is a open source ADSB in receiver. Um, my background in military, I flew KC-10s. I was an instructor, and I was flying uh, G4s in Hawaii and went back to doing some CFI work, um, and I wanted to get an ADSB in receiver for myself. Uh, but the only things on the market at the time were around $1,000, and I just didn't have that to shell out. So I talked to a friend of mine who was a programmer, and he said, hey, have you heard of this open source project called Stratix? And at the time, it was just kind of only on online message boards. You'd have to piece this thing together with a board, and there's antennas and, and not really great-looking cases. But 
so I put one together. A few friends of mine said, hey, you built this. Can you build one for me? Um, so I went on and I started selling these on Amazon about a year ago. And it's really taken off. It's been pretty popular. It, it gives ADSB receivers at a price point that most people can afford. And I really believe in it because as a, an instructor and someone who's been in the military for a long time and flying, I think ADSBN has really changed the safety of my flying. So being able to see traffic, uh, live weather, and even having a backup attitude really been a game changer for me. So I'm just out here meeting people for the first time. A lot of my customers coming up and shaking my hand, which is really cool. And I'm hearing their flying stories. It's been uh, very energizing. That's great. That's great. Um, I know that, so can people, is this available for sale just online or? Uh? So before it's only been a sa- on sale on Amazon, actually I'm the top selling ADSB receiver on Amazon. You type in ADSB, I'm what pops up. And well, then the, the website, uh, Crew Dog Electronics. But this for now, I'm actually selling it in person here at Oshkosh. So yep. do, run a little special at my booth 790 back in the fly market. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, first time doing in-person yeah. sales. Yeah. This is ready to use when you sell it to them? Yeah, ready to use. So my uh, target market is really people that don't, don't have a lot of tech background. So people that are, that, you know, they know how to use an iPad, but they don't want to assemble something and, and put, you know, things on a board. So I actually, I, because I spend a lot of time as an instructor, I take pride in, telling people things in a way that they can understand. So I have a quick little YouTube video when you open it up, and all you do is put on a couple of antennas, put a battery pack on it, and you're set to go. And even people that do want to take the route of building it their own, I have a YouTube channel, Crew Dog Electronics. I show you the parts list and, like, hey, if you want to build your own, this is how I do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, it has attitude capability? Yeah, it has. So it has uh, GPS, WAS-enabled GPS. It's got weather, traffic, um, and also has a backup attitude sensor. Uh, so actually some of uh, my friends that are in the military – Maybe flying older aircraft, they have it's kind of an insurance policy. If something went bad on your avionics, you, at least you have a backup attitude indicator to, to get you going in the right direction. And, and how does it connect to uh, a tablet? So it connects over Wi-Fi. And the great thing about this being open source is it works with basically anything. It works with iPad, Android, works with every major electronic flight bag, uh, bag software except for Garmin. Um, so even if you're flying in the plane and, say, you're using iFly or ForeFlight, and your buddy is using WingX, you can both display the information on your tablet even though you're using different software. At the same time? At the same time, yep. You mm-hmm. can have, you can have like, I think there's no real limit on the users, but as many people that are in your Wi-Fi bubble on the plane. Yep. And so this is a, you're, what you're producing is a sort of a small handheld size device. Yep. That's, I think if I saw, the, if I'm remembering the right device, it's sort of like, uh, like three or four uh, decks of playing cards stacked together. Yeah, it's absolutely. That, about that size. It's about right? that yeah. size, and you, you can either um, connect it to the plane's power with a 2-amp input, or you can connect it to a battery pack. So I try to make it work for everybody. So the battery I sell it with uh, works for about 4 hours, but you, if you want to get a higher capacity battery to last 10, 12 hours, you can do that. And mm-hmm. You yep. kind of have a freedom of choice, which is kind of the spirit of this whole open source uh, sure. thing. Every, we want people to have choice, to use the software you want, to use the platform you want. And we really believe that ADSBN, I mean, it's a publicly funded resource by the FAA. We think it should be available to everybody, and, and, and we're trying to get that out there. Sure, yeah. Um, did, I don't know if you said, how much does it cost? Uh, so I sell it online for $250, um, and here at Oshkosh, selling it for 235 and I give people a larger capacity battery okay. pack than I sell and online. For people who hear this after the show is over, they could go to crewdogelectronics.com yes, and absolutely. get more information. That's yep. terrific. Well, thank you. All right, now for the important question. 
tell us about flying KC-135s. That's what I want. Well, KC-10. So actually, KC-10s. Excuse me. It's uh, it's it's Even amazing. Bigger. Yeah. It is bigger, and the, the big difference between the the KC-10, besides the fact that we can carry the the weight of the KC-135 just in fuel, we can actually receive fuel oh, okay. as All well. Right. Did, did everybody <laughs> catch that? All right, there we go. All right, he's just like setting the you know, just just yeah, uh, yeah, no, set the yeah, bar. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the tin has drogues and booms. Yes. yes, we have drogue and boom. But my favorite part was doing receiver AR. So you're going up there, and you've got two DC-10s in this airspace about 10 feet away from each other at night, sometimes in the weather. Um, that's the most technically challenging thing I've ever done flying because I'm not – I've never landed on a carrier. I've heard that's that's out there. But, yeah, doing receiver AR, uh, that was really interesting. And just the people that I've flown with, actually a few people on the uh, KC-10 crew that brought in here were mm-hmm. old friends of mine. So coming back here, uh, my first time in Oshkosh and reconnecting with old squadron mates, that's being great. on the KC-10 again, it's just been And what amazing. was your job on the KC-10? You I was a KC-10 instructor pilot. Okay, that's great, yeah. Well, uh, yeah, and did you? I know you probably trapped in the booth all week long. Did you get a chance to come out and watch them fly by occasionally? Or? I did. Yeah, I got a chance to come out um, and be out at the night air show. We we spent some time in the KC ten then as well. So yeah, I got a chance to walk around, walk to the innovation booth, and, and see a lot of the displays. And it's just it's overwhelming just the magnitude of this event. Uh, yep, it sure is, isn't it? So I'm imagining you're going to be back next year, one way or the other. Absolutely, right? probably absolutely. with your product, but otherwise, but one way or the other. Yeah. I will so, be here. This is going to be an annual event for me. So Sean. For the people that are here on the field may want to come by and see you today, where are you? So I'm in booth 790 in the fly market. If you go back to the fly market, I'm behind the merchandise in the food stand in the fly market up against the fence. Very good. Terrific. Thank you. Sean uh, Chuplis from, uh, did I get that right? Yes, you did. From from Crew Dog Electronics. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. You're very welcome. And glad you came to our party the other night. Yes, thanks for having me. You made I didn't even make it to the party. All right, well, I was out of town. <laughs> that's anyway. another story. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that will come up at the board uh, meeting. I know, yeah. Well, Jeb missed it, too, so we got you outnumbered on this board meeting. Uh, speaking of which, tell us about the party, David. How'd it go? We, you have a good time? We did have a good time. A uh, little smaller crowd than last year. Uh, things things bun- bunched up on that night. Um, well, the Wednesday night, night show getting rolled to Thursday right. had a little influence on that, and there was already quite a bit of stuff going on on Thursday that competed. and We're happy for the crowd that we got. They were great to talk to. Uh, we went through the majority of the adult beverages and most of the sodas mm-hmm, and most mm-hmm. of the snacks. Which way was the airport running that night? Was it taking off or landing over there on the end? Taking off. Yeah. All right, yeah. So did the B-17 fly over your heads at one point? No. no. That's usually one of my favorite moments. I, and, I, uh, I think they were. They, were they using 2 7s? Yeah. Yeah. Now we didn't catch much of that because about uh, quarter to late, eight, eight or so, things started to get clamped down yeah. because yeah. The, the night show's about to start. Yeah. yeah. We really love that spot, and we love going back there every year. We love meeting with the listeners, most importantly. But uh, that spot's been very special to us for a variety of reasons, not the least of which was the airplanes that we get to watch. Um, but everyone should be advised, um, and just kind of like stash this away in the back of your memory, It might we might have to move it to a new location next year. Um, we'd like to not, and we're going to try and not, all right? But but for those of you who kind of just put it in your calendar a year in advance, go to the you know Northwest Gate um, on Thursday night. Um, Double-check that that's really where we are next year because things might have to change, unfortunately. Um, but, yeah, I'm sorry I wasn't there. You guys, Amy, you, I, were you there, Amy? I, I was not able to be there but James for was, the very reasons that yeah. Dave mentioned. But James was there. Oh, we got a headset back on James here. Um, and it, was a great, it was a great gathering, as always, yes. 
True. Uh, some people were diverted, I believe, by the night show, but uh, the usual high-spirited crowd. Yeah. Wonderful to see everybody. Yeah. And Rick Reynolds showed up. Yeah, Rick, our, 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 our friend and former editor from uh, Air Venture Today uh, was there. and uh, Who we got to see later in the week with his band Baba Ganoush playing I downtown. heard that you guys went over to see him yeah, play. I heard it was wonderful. Fantastic. Oh, it was great. A little place called Barley and Hops up on the 600 block of North Main. Uh, it was jammed. And I did not realize this, but Oshkosh runs a, a, a week-long, well, four, four or five-day-long music festival along Main Street. Yeah, well, mm-hmm. I would imagine. So all these watering holes had outdoor stages with bands rotating every couple of hours from 5 until closing Thursday, Thursday, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. And then Saturday they started about 9 in the morning. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just a marvelous array of bands. And good and, players in town. Yeah, and... A chance to get off the field and and, and uh, listen to some music and talk about something other than airplanes. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, time for another break here. Is a uh, I'm saying that's a velocity. Is that a velocity? I'm not sure if or it's is a velocity it a, or, or a barracoot. Uh, yeah, that's a velocity. A velocity just uh, coming down and touching down on uh, on the southbound runway here and uh, uh, tri- for tri-motor taxiing bias here. Um, my point here, lots of activity uh, still going on at AirVenture 2018. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be back in a few minutes to talk about some more things we've seen here. In the meantime, you're listening to Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio. I'm Frank Borman. I command a Gemini 7 and Apollo 8. And you are listening to EAA Radio. For some reason, Dave Higdon thinks that Jack Hodgson is a technology junkie. I mean, this is the guy that goes to sleep with his iPad mini on the pillow next to it. Back now with more uncontrolled airspace on EAA Radio. Yeah, okay. <laughs> By the way, I, I've upgraded now to an, an iPad Pro, but oh, uh, wow. but yes, I oh, still... Oh, so now you're a Pro-Pad yeah, sleeper. Yeah, no, right, yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> Anyways, yeah, it's it's true. Fair, fair is fair. All right, that was my turn. Um, welcome back <laughs> to the flight line of AirVenture 2018 and Uncontrolled Airspace. Uh, I'm here with David and James, and we're being joined now by a, a very, very good friend, of a, an indispensable part of the podcast. Jeff Ward is here with us. Hi, Jeff. He, he is. Jeff's getting distracted. It's just like all of us, Jeff gets distracted. He's got his nice camera here, and every now and then he goes, wait, wait take a picture. How you doing, Jeff? I'm doing just wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. First of all, I, I absolutely have to thank you um, and, and Jim G for the work that you did to make the uh, tie-down party happen. Uh, you've been doing that for a few years now, and uh, this year was no different. And, uh, well, you're very welcome. We really appreciate that you making that happen. Uh, uh, it, it, it's great. We don't we don't mind. We enjoy it. It's uh, always a fun shopping trip over at Pick and Save. Yeah, so. it is kind of fun to <laughs> fill two shopping carts full of beer. It's always a thing. And the third one with ice. Yeah, and the third one with ice. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. Um, so uh, it, well, it's it, nice it, that they have that cold cooler that you can go into. And yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. It does cool you up. <laughs> yeah. And 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 over the years, even Jim G, who's not a drinker, beer drinker certainly, um, yeah. is is getting the hang of how to pick uh, uncontrolled air. Beers. We've got him trained up. Yeah, now. that's right. Yeah. So, uh, so thanks again. That was great. And, oh, uh, no problem. Um, I, back in the back when we first started that, it was basically me going mm. shopping and 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 doing it all. And then over the years, you guys have jumped in, and now I don't have to do anything. I mean, obviously, I don't because I wasn't even here this year. Yeah, we did notice. Yeah. But uh, that's that's really appreciated. Well, Thank the, you. The whole thing started by accident At, on the two hundredth. Right? Yeah, yeah, right. It happened by accident on the two hundredth. What was the story, David? Well, EAA was nice enough to invite us to do our 200th show live on the Welcome Center stage. Mm-hmm. And a couple of our friends with the EAA headquarters made this really fancy sign with the letters UCAP 200 
carved into it, and they filled it up with linen kugels. Yep. <laughs> and afterward, it was like, what in the world are we going to do with all this beer? There was a lot of beer was that they didn't beer. have in there. <laughs> and Jack says, I know, I know, I know. We'll, 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 tweet, we'll tweet that we're having a meetup. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'll get some coolers. We'll ice it down. We'll give it away. Problem mm-hmm. solved. Mm-hmm. So that was uh, on a Thursday. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we got out there. I don't know, three or four coolers full of beer and some chips. And uh, as people came and go, and it started the questioning. So you guys doing this again next year, right? And, <laughs> yeah, and, yeah. And, and all independently, we yeah. go, uh, uh, oh, yeah. 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 So it solved our problem and then created a whole lot of work for Jim G and Jeff Ward, right? But and we've been doing it ever since. Yeah. And, and yeah. I don't even know how long ago that was now. Uh, we'd have, well, for, it was 2010, so, wasn't it? We'd be like 2010, I guess, yeah. So this would have been the ninth. Yeah. Yeah. 200th episode, it would be about our fourth year. We started in six, about 10. Yeah, Yeah. 2010. Yeah, so anyways, it's a good time. Um, uh, Don't don't necessarily put on your calendar the location, but put it on your calendar (laughs) Thursday Thursday night of uh, of, uh, Air Venture 2019. We'll do it again. Um, How's the week been for you, Jeff? You seen anything fun? Yeah, it's been good. I mean, it's been busy the the field and the campground and everything were full yeah. there seemed to be a lot of people uh in the ex- exhibits um i did take a chance uh, um, a few minutes to go over to the uh innovation area um and i looked at a couple of things they had the uh, i'm gonna get this from black fly um, black fly yep. yeah the uh fly looking huh? Uh, black fly and yeah, fly. and they had the shore fly and as well. Shorefly, yeah, shorefly yeah. had their their uh, uh, multi copter passenger carrying device, and and black fly had theirs, and, mm-hmm. and they had a couple of prototypes in there. So that was interesting to see. They're clearly trying to get the the word out. Yeah. Um, I went over to the NASA tent, which I don't always do, uh, and it was jamming. Uh, you know, they were just a lot of people in there. They had a lot of interesting stuff. They were. Um, I, f- I picked up a flyer for the X fifty seven Maxwell, which is going to be the first all-electric X-plane from NASA. Really? Okay. And it's based on a Technam P2006, I think. Okay. Something like yeah. That. Uh, uh-huh. yeah. So uh, that, that looks like an interesting thing, and it's going to be a long X program for research uh-huh. and all that into the suitability of, of uh, electric aircraft for, for large scale. Sure. Yeah. yeah. So that's cool. Yeah. Um, Speaking of electric aircraft, um, so the foam plane. Yes, uh, James. Oh, from uh, Peter Strippel. Yes. Yeah, from yeah. Peter Strippel. So I, I actually had seen this on YouTube. This is a uh, Peter Strippel is a pretty active YouTuber. Yes. Oh yeah. Um, big time. And he does a lot of stuff from the RC world, I believe, or in the drone world, or that. Yeah, that it was pretty much all of that until he got scaled it up to this thing. Right. He built now. And, he, and he's he's kind of notable for being a, a pretty adventurous engineer in terms of building various oh, RCs yeah, and drones and, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And then and all of Sudden, he decided he announces, or I don't know exactly how it came about because I heard about it after it already started, after he was already flying it. But he built this electric powered little one seat mm-hmm. ultralight, I guess. All right, yes. um, but mm-hmm. uh, James, you interviewed him. I, uh, I t- did. What, what did you learn about that? Well, first, I was told to go out and look for a foam airplane, yeah. and I, I thought it was like just a big foam sculpture or something. I didn't uh, know it, uh, it actually flew. <laughs> and then I got down there to just north of the Tall Pine Cafe where it was parked, and he was sitting there holding court, and there's this aquamarine and yellow biplane, and mm-hmm. you can see it's unpainted, so you see the, the writing on it. It's inscriptions like uh, polystyrene extruded insulation mm-hmm. yeah, and yeah. Lows. lows. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And he's sitting there in it. Uh, so he decided, Peter, 26 years old, last year, 
looking at the ultralights and said, ah, I told myself I'm not getting any younger. I better build an airplane. (laughs) (laughs) So So. essentially he felt he was building just a a, a larger foamy because he is one of these aero modelers who kind of have been on the forefront of what they call building foamies, aircraft out of this insulation material. So a a wonderful story. It's uh, It's electric powered. It's electric powered, yes. Two 150cc model airplane engines with about 30 pounds of batteries. Right. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's got about 20 minutes of flight time on it, and he's not sure how much more it will accumulate, but he definitely wants to build more. Right. Mm -hmm. Now, how is this thing is is it ultralight? Is it part 103? Or? It's uh, no, it's ultralight, so no regulations on anything. Right. Didn't have to be signed off, etc. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah, very cool. And the videos, you know, you, you watch the videos of him doing this back, you know, and you go, really, what is he doing? Yeah. Right, you know, and there's actually he mounts cameras under the wings and shows himself flying this thing. And he, uh, yeah. he clearly knows what he's doing on the engineering side, I believe, and the construction side. Although he downplays those skills. Yeah, yeah. Um, and because uh, watching the videos, having just watched the videos, I always wondered whether this was totally legal. All right, <laughs> um, but the fact that he's here must be yes. passed some muster. And yes, uh, yeah. Um, and uh, it's, it's a very interesting thing. It's really, you know, the electric aircraft is a is a big deal these days. It's, I, you know, it's. It should be noted he's from Dayton, Ohio, oh, well, which helps. obviously uh, it's a town known, so it's, shall we say, for aviation. Yeah, it's but something in the water. He know? wears that mantle a little uneasily. He says, "I built this. Everybody wants to get out of Dayton. I built this airplane to get out of Dayton." <laughs> <laughs> if I can tie something in just to the RC side of yeah. things, because that was a big part of what I was doing here this yeah. week. Um, I'm a life member of both EAA and the Academy of Model Aeronautics (AMA), and they sent out an email asking for volunteers volunteers to staff some of their work this mm-hmm. so I, I did three shifts so that was very cool they they fly uh on pioneer field between six and nine every evening and and people members who brought their planes can fly them up there and they also have some models to fly uh people who don't have one and i also staff the uh, simulator trailer down here in the uh in the fun fly zone um so people could come up and try the rc sim so oh, cool. um you know I, I appreciate the uh the cooperation there between eaa and mm-hmm. ama because uh a lot of Notable uh, pilots, astronauts started their careers in air, in modeling. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, that's another good way to get people into the field. Mike Chapman, who is performing here, started as an RC modeler. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Very cool. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. Well, before we go into the break, I want to see if I can do so um, uh, quickly. Jeff, no, I, I oh, will okay. shake your hand, but uh, I'm pointing to you. Oh yes. Um, your first time to our, our venture to Oshkosh. When, oh, when was this? Uh, 2010, Sloshkosh. Uh, Sloshkosh. Yeah. That was. Why do we call it Sloshkosh? Because it had rained and rained and rained, and everything was mud. Yeah. Uh, you know, the fields, the, the the North 40 was half empty or more empty than that. Uh, they, they couldn't bring any of the the campers. It was only tent camping for the first few days. Really, the larger RVs had to be. So I was sharing an RV that year with a couple of other podcasters, and we were out in uh, in a parking lot uh, of an old Sears store, uh, which we dubbed Camp Used to Be Sears. Uh, oh, that's right. I forgot about yeah, that remember, part. Right. A lot of campers yeah, they had, a lot of, had a lot of remote yeah. campsites. Oh, yeah, they, yeah. they had people scattered out at the fairgrounds yeah. over in the parking lot of the outlet mall. Yeah. Uh, because day two, some people stopped by the newspaper office, and they, we came by to get a paper. And, well, you know, they're in boxes all over the we're not camped here. Yeah. So we made arrangements to start delivering to all yep, those remote right. campsites. Yeah. And, yeah. and what I really what really strikes me about that year was the was the 
just awesome job that EAA had done, and apparently in contingency planning, because they didn't pull it together at the last minute. Uh, all those remote sites, I mean, at, at Camp Used to Be Sears, we had shower trailers, porta-potties, 24-hour security, yeah. and shuttle buses. Yeah, it was and quite that, an operation. They didn't just pull that out of thin air. Well, it, mm-hmm. it, it had rained something like 12 out of the prior 15 days. And we uh, mm-hmm. we had a picture on page one of the first day paper of a Bonanza in the North 40 that had gotten here early. Mm-hmm. And it's sitting in water up above <laughs> the axles. And the headline said, Splash Guys. Splash right. yeah. And, yeah. One of my, you talk about the planning. Um, it, my, my, one of my more vivid memories, not terribly important memory, but vivid, is that I swear EAA cornered the market on traffic cones. Right? <laughs> there were traffic cones everywhere. Because yeah. they were marking off, you know, don't taxi here, don't walk here. Right. Right, you know, right. yeah, this is a big puddle, right? And uh, um, there were I, I and I asked uh, we asked uh, Dick Nipinski how many cones. I forget the number, but the, it, it was it a was, big number. It was a big number, and I don't know whether they got rid of them or whether they're still stashed away someplace. But <laughs> yeah. there were maybe they rented them everywhere, yeah. right? So, anyways. but I survived that that trip and kept coming back. So yeah. that's a good thing. Anyways, <laughs> uh, we need to take another break here. Uh, we're still enjoying the sights out here on the flight line at AirVenture 2018. Uh, when we get back from the break, we're going to be joined by our good friend from EA. Charlie Becker is here going to talk to us about One Week Wonder and other things at EAA. Uh, But in the meantime, you're listening to a very special episode of Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio. You're listening to the voice of EAA. EAA Radio, 96.5 FM, 1210 AM, and EAARadio.net. We think Jack Hodgson may be struggling with relationships in the 21st century. Exactly how do I go about consenting under these new rules? Back now with more Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio. This must be payback. I made that comment about Jeb getting all the love, and now suddenly I'm getting it over and over again. <laughs> we're back here on the flight line at AirVenture 2018. I'm Jack Daves here. Amy's rejoined us, and we're being joined by another good friend of the podcast. Charlie Becker is here. How are you doing, Charlie? Tired. Yeah, I bet you are. I bet you are. Uh, uh, we, we actually referenced you just a couple minutes ago. We were relating the story about the episode 200 the thing when you guys oh, yeah. gave us all the beers. <laughs> and uh, um, so, yeah, and how that began the tie-down party. And uh, that was you and, and uh, Farid, I believe, wasn't yes, it? Yes, it yeah, was. Yeah, and uh, you were kind of central behind that. We really appreciated that. That was a lot of fun. Um, you wear so many hats at EAA. Um, but I bet one of them's taken up a lot of your time this week, and that's the One Week Wonder Project. Um, we now apparently know, uh, we've got some data, and we now know that the mean time between One Week Wonders is four years. All right, so Nancy, <laughs> I don't know whether that's going to come back and haunt you or not, all right? But, uh, it's um, better than two. I remember talking to you after, Red, I remember talking to you after the uh, first One Week Wonder, and it was a little like talking to a mom who had just given birth, all right? You know, and, and some sense, you know, insensitive people will say, so when are you going to have your next one? And that was the look in your eyes. It was kind of like, really? Come on. <laughs> but uh, you did it again this year, and it looks like it's been a big hit again. Yeah. Um, how's it going? What's going oh, on going over there? Great. I mean, it, you know, as, as exhausting as it is to pull something like this together, I mean, we've been working with Vans Aircraft now and all the other sponsors, Rotax Garmin and uh, Aircraft Producer. I mean, we've been working with them for, you know, months and months and months. It's a lot of man hours, but it's, it's too good not to do again, yeah. regardless of... Yeah, you know, I mean, how much work it is. Except for the work part, uh, it's a, it's an awesome thing. If the, if you had the manpower, I, I would 
I would urge you to do it every year, uh, right? Because it's just yeah. a tremendous, tremendous opportunity to expose people to the idea of home building. And, uh, you know, I mean, we see that just standing there. David did one of our dailies from over there where he actually interviewed some of the folks who were there to pull their rivet and talk to them about how, you know, it was affecting their view of the whole thing. And it's a very positive thing. I, I'm sure you've discovered that. And uh, Oh, yeah. I mean, no, without a doubt. I mean, it, everyone loves it. I mean, the webcams have been popular, you know, people watching from home, but there's always a steady stream of people lining yeah. up to, to pull rivets. In fact, you know, last time around we had about 3,000 pins, I want to say, and we didn't quite give them all out. This time we had 4,000 and we were out Saturday morning. Mm-hmm. So we've taught over 4,000 people how to pull rivets on aircraft. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Now, I noticed that this year, once again, we were signing our rivets, all right, which is very cool. I enjoy doing that, but that turned into a little bit of a problem last time. Uh, do you have a different kind of plan this time? Yeah, so when you signed your rivet, you also hopefully got your photo taken, and I we did. emailed it to you. So I got anybody, my... anybody whose name went into that email, you know, because we asked first and last name, those names will be embedded in the vinyl uh, striping on the aircraft. Uh, so. Okay. We figured out last time that trying to read people's names from a, a builder's log was well, that wasn't working. Oh, okay, so you captured the names that way. Yeah, no, I, I got my picture in my email. I've already tweeted it. It's out there. So uh, awesome. Yeah, that's uh, um, so the lots of people. I mean, well, I guess we can't put this off any longer. How's it going? Is it? Uh, it's going really good. Yeah. Um, I'm, you know, it's still going to come right down the wire. It yeah. is. You know, you're you're uh, you're trying to do something that is quite difficult. Mm-hmm. I mean, even though we did it last time and we're successful, it's still. I mean, you plan and plan and plan, and then, and then you get to the reality of uh, there's only so much time in the week. And you know, we call it a one week wonder, but it's actually six and a half days, as you know. Mm-hmm. So um, it, it's tough. I mean, it's a challenging project, and you know, you're in this. You know, most builders are not ever observed working every time they're doing it and they don't usually have somebody with a microphone you know uh, yep, you know and yep. cheering crowds <laughs> yeah. and all that so it's it's a different format but uh, it's going good yeah and i do expect uh, we did an engine run last night did it again this morning uh, i fully expect it to taxi this afternoon uh, hopefully get the air witness done today as well oh, so really? we got okay. enough time in there uh-huh. and then uh tomorrow as you know the the notum still affect tomorrow so on tuesday if all's progresses as we plan should be the first flight that's cool very very cool um obviously you had thousands of helpers like me uh popping a rivet um how many actual you know kind of volunteers are there on that project we had about 100 what i'd call our our core volunteers that that pulled at least one four-hour shift and and you know that varied from a some a few that had zero experience to some that had, you know, built a couple, three aircraft. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, yeah. And although you didn't actually begin building this aircraft until, you know, Monday or the beginning of the week, you, there must have been a lot of planning on, you know, kind of like we're going to do this step and then this step. And then. How, uh, how does that work? Is that in advance? Oh, absolutely. you got to have a plan. Although, again, you're kind of just, you know, you're kind of just saying, hey, we think we need to be here by Monday afternoon. You don't really know because you've never done it in this format before. So you really don't know what the right answer is. Uh, you know, even though people keep track of their time on builds, and the good news with, like, Vans Aircraft, they're, they're extremely popular in the in the team build program. So they're, you know, those give you a good idea how long something like this takes. But you still are kind of guessing at uh, where you need to be on a certain di- date mm-hmm. and time. Yeah. yeah. Now, memory serves, after the first one-week wonder, you guys – started a different kind of project to help encourage people to home build if memory serves it was four different kit airplanes you you started them here and then the kits went out to different chapters to finish and fly 
How'd that end up? So that was actually uh, what we called give flight, and we did five sets of wings over the course of the week. Those wings went out to five different chapters. Um, two of them finished and met the challenge of bringing it back last year, so a two-year build as a group project. Um, the other ones have not, and I'm not 100% sure. I know one is a team build program, and they, they're not quite done, and uh, Sonics is very close to being done. I don't know if they've finished it yet or not. And I lost touch with one of them up in uh, Canada. I just don't know what the status on that one is. Mm-hmm. So I was yeah. a little disappointed, to be honest. I thought they'd all—I really thought they'd all accomplish the, the two-year goal. Yeah, because there was a lot of enthusiasm for mm-hmm. that. Uh, there were people lined up to help build the different wings. Yep. When you guys had it over there, and some people yeah. that I chatted with were real picky. They wanted to work on one specific one or the other yeah. uh, because they were thinking about that airplane That's or right. they built that airplane. Uh, but so it, I guess the bottom line is it's still a project in progress, even though it's gone beyond yeah. the two-year goal. Yeah. yeah, and and you know it really accomplished what we were specifically trying to do, which was again to expose everybody to the practical. You know, hey, you can build your own aircraft, and that's what's great about what we're doing this year with the One Week Wonder. Is you're right on Show Center, kind of right. Everybody walks past it, and you know we have great workshops going on all the time every year. But unless you come in with the idea like, hey, I want to build an aircraft, um, you may never make it over or even realize there's so much to see. I mean, you could completely overlook the home-built area. Yeah. Well, and the, and the, that's what I wanted to – I'm sorry, David, go ahead. I was just going to say the daily we did, folks want to listen to it, we titled it, Jack titled it, Fingernail Test. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. That's uh, that was a, yeah, that's a big, apparently a big part of it. That's what I learned from listening to the episode. Um so, um, not surprisingly, uh, uh, given your work with the One Week Wonder program, that you are uh, involved on it all year round with the home building uh, part of EAA. Um, and uh, one of the places around the grounds that I really enjoy a lot, and I try to co- make sure I visit a couple times each year, um, that, but that is a little bit off the beaten track, and that's the home builder's hangar over there. I'm not sure if that's the official name yeah, it of is. it. But uh, um, there's always some interesting airplanes on display. The, the original One Week Wonder is over there now. Correct. I was searching for my name. I don't know if my signature made it on there or not but I was searching the other day. I'll have to go back and look some more. Um, so there's that's a really, really pleasant spot. Um, and then there's also the Home Builders Clubhouse or whatever that's out on the flight line. I understand from some comments that Jack Pelton made that you're going to make some changes during the year to kind of join those two areas. Is that what is going to happen? What's going to change over there? Yeah, so we've been working kind of on a long-term plan to more, you know, bring the area together to make it make, make a little bit more sense because we had some buildings that were there that were older kind of shabby looking you know when you think about it EAA started around the amateur build side of things and so you know we were kind of de- you know we were the first buildings just like your downtown in the city and then all of a sudden we built those four big exhibit hangars and you know everybody bought a house in the suburbs yeah, so right, yeah, yeah. and here we are still downtown so we're kind of going through that downtown revitalization project there you go I like it yeah. and uh we took one old building out a couple of years ago, and next year, right after convention, we're going to move everybody from the federal pavilion, and we're going to relocate that within the confines of Hangar D. Okay. So, and then we're going to drop the federal pavilion, and our plan right now, we're still working through the details, is that we would create kind of a, a home-built and review area similar to what Vintage and Warbirds have. Right, yeah. It could really be kind of a focal point. 
and it'll do a better job too by removing that building of connecting the workshop areas and the forums area with the home built area because yeah. they're all kind of intertwined. That sounds like that could be a really nice area. That yeah. nice, nice yeah. space. And, and it has the added benefit of improving Hangar D, so less Ginsu knives and massage chairs in Hangar D. See, so. okay, well, I would never have said that out loud, but yes, that's yeah, that would be a good thing. Yeah, yeah that well, would we'll be always have the fly market. Yeah. I mean, my family comes up; they love going to the yeah, fly, oh, market. fly market. Yeah, oh yeah, you can get stuff. cooking lessons there. Exactly. <laughs> but, but there are there are a few corners of the <laughs> right. exhibit hangers that have some right. superfluous stuff. Yeah, so that's that, good. That, that one had kind of gotten out of whack, that's, and we tried to address it. That's so. a nice that's a nice plan. I like it. Um, we're here talking with Charlie Becker of EAA about one week wonder and, and home building in general. There's a F eighteen. Sort of doing a run-up-ish kind of thing over here on the uh, F-18F, I'm told. Um, and uh, he's making some noise you probably heard, uh, doing some sort of run-up or engine you know, engine start thing. Probably going to be taxing out. Um, but uh, um, I'm, I'm being holed up signed at Charlie. Something to be told, tell us about what's going on with chapters. He had another hat that you Yeah, wear so one of the things we did this year was we created the, we Well, we actually got it last year, but we completely rehabbed this what we call the chapter social pavilion right on the edge of Paul Woods across from Merrill Mart. Okay. And we've had a different chapter in every day offering a pancake breakfast as a fundraiser oh. for that chapter. And uh-huh. they get to take the net profits back home with them. And that's been a huge success. That's Everybody terrific. who's camping loves it because they can just get up, go over and have a great pancake breakfast. And yet the chapters love it because it's a new home for chapters that's on terrific. a social side. I didn't get here till late this week, so I didn't notice. I didn't realize that was there. That sounds like yeah. a terrific thing for everybody involved. Yeah, oh, they came great. through Camp Bacon a couple of times selling tickets. Yeah, yeah. So That's what happens when you don't show up. Yeah. Anyways, we've got to take a break here. I want to thank Charlie for taking a few minutes from uh, trying to get an airplane finished and coming by and talk to us. Thank you, Charlie. Thanks for all the stuff you do for pilots. Thanks for your being a good friend at UCAP. We really oh, appreciate my pleasure. It. Keep right. up the great work, guys. I Thank listen you. every week. Thank you. Or two weeks, or three weeks, or four weeks. <laughs> now, 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 now. All right, we'll talk about that <laughs> offline. All right, here we go. All right. Uh, we do have to take a break here. They're wagging their hands at me frantically here. Um, we're having a great time watching the airplanes and talking with our friends out here on the flight line of AirVenture 2018. You're listening to a special episode of Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio. My name is Stan. I come from Montgomery, Alabama, and we came in in a Bushby Mustang, too. My name's Haley. I flew in in an L-39, and I'm from Rockford, Illinois. My name is uh, Peter. We're from Windsor, Ontario, Canada, and uh, fly an RV-9. Hi, my name's Mike. I'm from Mosinee, Wisconsin, and I fly a Cessna 182. And you're listening to EAA Radio. Jack Hodgson now demonstrates air traffic control phraseology. No, 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 don't do that. That's wrong. You guys should not be landing any of these places. Back now with more Uncontrolled Airspace on EAA Radio. All right, this is too much to be a coincidence. I think Mike Morgan is out there someplace hand-picking these now because <laughs> we had like two Jebs and now three Jacks. And, uh, and, and Oh, that's a full house. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, we're back here on the flight line of AirVenture 2018 uh, for one final segment here uh, before we wrap things up and, and go out and do our uh, final bits here. Uh, speaking of final bits, so uh, what's every David? You got you got to take off. You got, you're leaving right pretty soon after we finish here. Yeah, pretty soon. I'm about two thirds or so packed. Yep. back yep. in the little gray truck. So and, you, uh, yeah, because. 12 days was probably enough. Uh, yeah, it usually is. Yep. And I'm going to point myself southbound. Uh, let's see, 151 to 80, 80 to 35, 35 to Wichita. There you go. There you go. It's 790 miles. 
if I get off the grounds by 12.30, I should be in my driveway by 1.30, quarter till 2. There you go. He doesn't even need a GPS anymore. I, well, I love it. I, I, I Kind of the same way. I come and go between here and New England, and I know the way. I know the way. James, are you, what are you, are you leaving today? Or? Uh, no, I'm going to leave tomorrow, uh, but looking forward to getting home. I was at Farnborough for a week before here. Yeah. I was home for one day. Here for 10, so it'll be nice to get back home. I bet it will be. I bet it will be. What You got any particular uh, plans here on the grounds this afternoon? Something you didn't get a chance to see that you want to catch up on? Uh, actually, you know, I've gone to A-Base the last couple of years, and I haven't had a chance to see the Chinese pavilion here, the China pavilion. And One of the uh, Aeroshell uh, team uh, uh, T6s is uh, taken off. That was that big noise you just and heard. And I know they have a tremendous enthusiasm for general aviation there, so I want to see the, their presence, their permanent presence here. Cool, cool. Amy, how about you? You're, you're, you got a little bit stuck here. You had some mechanical problems on your yeah, airplane. Yeah, uh, I'm unusually long this year, going yes. 10 days at Air Venture, but it's not a terrible situation. We had a little more oil than we, we had ever seen on, on the, the bottom, outside of the airplane. on the outside of the airplane when we landed so uh we've made some repairs we think we've solved the problem but we've kind of retooled our exit out of here so that the first leg is really only about 45 minutes mm-hmm. and then yeah. we'll spend the night uh, airplane can be safely in a hangar right. with a drip pan under it we'll check again make sure that that oil leak has been corrected mm-hmm. for sure for sure for sure right and, and that, but then we're heading toward the mountains. And that's what and I want that to is the ask. reason why we kind of retooled the adventure just a just a bit, so that we can make darn tootin' sure that everybody's working just fine. Because mm-hmm. yeah. you don't want to have mechanical in the mountains. No, no, you don't. You're, so you do this most every year. You head off on an adventure in your airplane. Well, after here's Oshkosh. the deal. You complain about it being quite warm up here on the stand today, yeah. but I'm just laughing at you because if I go home, it's warmer. I know you, Florida people. I <laughs> it's warmer. It. So I, I'm, I'm actually gonna try out Canada this year a little bit. Yeah, yeah. Take a, take a side trip up to Kelowna, uh-huh. where I hear there's some very nice wineries. Ooh, and, there you go. And, and mountains. And you're going sailing, right? I am going sailing as well. It'll so be fun. gonna It'll get be fun. a get a little island hopping in. So. Uh, if all that comes to pass, mm-hmm. nice. I should be a pretty happy camper in September yeah. back in Florida. So this is a very Oshkosh moment. The uh, the uh, Ford Trimotor, or a, tri- a Trimotor, uh, just landed in front of us at the same time that an F-18 fighter is taxiing out uh, to uh, make its way to, presumably, yeah, to, uh, Marine, to the runway. Marine Corps. Yeah, it's painted up nice, isn't it? Yeah. It is. And unless he's going to back taxi, he's going to do yeah, an intersection departure oh, of I about yeah, midfield. I doubt he's doing intersection. He's taxiing out onto the... Like, well, I bet he's out. crossing He's crossing to the... Uh, or back taxiing? Okay. No, no, there he is. He's back taxiing on 1-8 okay. now. And, uh, I don't think he has enough drop tanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, he's carrying a lot of something, fuel, presumably, although they might be gear. You never know. Um, but, uh, yeah, a lot of activity here. The Like I said, the Ford Trimotor. The... Uh, the, well, no, I do see a few private airplanes still taxiing here. I see them taxiing out from the grass. Well, we've, um, we've had a, a, a good flow of arrivals this yes. morning, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, you know, other people know the show's not over. There's still stuff to see, smell, taste, touch, and do. 
Yeah. And plenty of parking spaces. What do we hear? I, uh, we, you know, the longtime listeners know that we have a legendary list that we use to, to keep track of things we want to talk about. And that's what I'm looking. I made my little, my little Oshkosh version of the list here. And I'm trying to see if there's things that we didn't talk about that we should talk you about. You can't possibly have run out of things to talk no, about, No, I haven't talked. But I just want to see what... No, I'm, no, more to the point here. I'm trying to fish, <laughs> figure out which ones I don't want to not talk about. That's what I want to do here. Sean Tucker retires this year, which is kind of a, 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 a bittersweet moment here. Um, Sean Tucker, one of the, one of the really legendary uh, air show pilots. Uh, and, uh, and he, he and the Oracle Challenger have just been shredding the air here this week. Yeah. Um, it's, you know, and but uh, he's... You know, it's like Captain Haynes once told us. It's uh, Captain Haynes, uh, who uh, who uh, uh, commanded the plane that crashed and saved most of his people in uh, what uh, Sioux City, Iowa, I think. Um, yeah. Anyways, and he went on talking tour afterwards about safety in aviation, and and um, it was back before they raised the uh, retirement age for mm-hmm. for uh, airline captains or airline pilots, and uh, and people asked him whether or not he was in favor of extending the age to uh, greater than 60. Mm-hmm. Um, and his response was that he wasn't in favor of raising the age because he said there has to be something positive that causes people to stop flying. You don't want to wait until something bad happens to stop flying. And so, uh, um, I you know... Well, Richard Collins did the same thing. Richard Collins made the decision to stop flying right. and so, when it felt right for him, yeah. not when the FAA yep. said you can't have a medical or right. something right. like that, or, or an incident. You know, so yeah, I so exactly. that's I, so that my point here is I applaud Sean Tucker for realizing that maybe the time has come for him to pull back a little bit, and uh, he's still very involved in aviation. He teaches aviation. Yeah, that's out what there I was going to say. He's got some some philanthropic projects going that are just terrific yeah so and so and there was that we'll have a lot of time for it now what else happened here it was a big week uh, you know, one measure that we, it was a big week was the ea ran out of the uh, souvenir uh, pins and patches this year all right like on saturday morning they ran out all right oh yeah women venture ran out of t-shirts almost immediately it yeah. was amazing yeah so it's it's been a good week here uh doc the night show the fireworks uh the, you know the uh Running out of stuff, big crowds. It's a lot of avionics news, some new airplanes in uh, the north commercial area. Uh, oh, the uh, new mock-up for the Cessna Denali. Uh, the switchblade was here. Uh, the PC-24 was here. Yes. Nice, Jeff. A lot of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what do you, what's nice about it? What, what do you particularly like? Well, I like that it's low enough to the ground. I love the giant cargo yeah. door. Hang on, I, here we go. We're going to get interrupted. Here comes the F-18 right, here on goes. the roll here. You really... You really can feel it as much, almost as much as oh, here. Oh yeah, you know the B one yeah. bomber. Yeah. The canceled night show. Uh, the one thing I saw of it was the B one bomber mm. made a pass in full afterburner. I, I saw a video of that. I was obviously not here yet. Yeah, that must have been something, huh? Because he did yeah. some sort of big spiral climb up yes, out of the did. area with yes, afterburners on. Yeah, that must have been a thing. Yeah, very very cool. It made my car shake. Yeah. <laughs> I believe it. I believe it. The F-18 uh, lifted off from the runway, then kind of leveled off at about 50, 75 feet and uh, gained some speed, but then pulled up. And We thought he was going to do one of those super-duper vertical climbs. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a good climb, but he's, he's heading off to the southeast right now. And, I think that uh, was the by, defensive climb, followed by a Piper J3 followed Cub. Followed by a Piper Cub, you know, <laughs> <laughs> 
Refuse caution, wake turbulence. Yeah, he was just trying to be polite and get out of the way for the Cub. That's what was going on there. That's right. That's right. Yeah, they're definitely getting back on the runway now. So so it's been a great year. Um, I missed most of it, sadly. Um, I'm determined not to do that next year, but... uh, um, it's, uh, it's you gotta eat, Jack. Yeah, you, you know, gotta eat. No, you know, eating's overrated when it's compared to Oshkosh. Come on, <laughs> yeah. So, um, thank you, everyone. We appreciate it. Uh, where are we got we got a couple more minutes here, but uh, we do need to thank some people. All right, um, we want to uh, uh, certainly thank uh, 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 Sean Chuplis from Crew Dog Electronics for stopping by and uh, and talking to us uh, about his product and, and about his uh, experience in the service. Uh, uh, the uh, Two more T6s here, the uh, Aeroshell T6s, two of them. Uh, where are the rest of them? I only see the two right now. We want to thank Charlie Becker for coming over and updating us on the one-week wonder. And if you're around, uh, expectations are it will taxi this afternoon. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, what was I going to say? I lost Jeff Ward. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. That's what I was going to say. <laughs> Jeff Ward's been here. Uh, Jeff's been been in the background. He's actually been uh, not only uh, joining us on the podcast, but has been helping out here as he does all year round, helping out kind of behind the scenes. And he's actually been uh, standing by and greeting our guests as they arrive. So that's been been much appreciated. So Jeff, thank you for all your help with the podcast. Uh, we appreciate that. Um, big thanks to our friends at EA Radio for hosting us here. Um, they've been very, very gracious over the years, um, uh, allowing us to take over their airwaves and finding us this awesome spot out on the flight line. And um, specifically Mike Morgan for the bumpers. Mike Morgan for the bumpers. Um, uh, Brent and Andrew are our, uh, our engineers here out on the on the uh, flight line. We appreciate all the help that they've given us. Um, everybody at EA Radio, but especially Tommy and Jim, the uh, I, I think of them as co-chairmen, but uh, the uh, the guys who make EA Radio happen, we appreciate all the uh, the friendship that they've Jim given G. us. Jim for the work on the uh, tie-down party, yep. and, and of course Jeff, Amy, and James being here with us. That's right. My uh, pleasure. Our pleasure. That's right. Thank you, guys. Uh, I'm Jack Hodgson. That's Dave uh, Dave Higgins. Dave, was there something you wanted to say to us? You know, to live to our age, you need to fly because time spent flying is not subtracted from your lifespan. Bye-bye. And, and that's enough talking. Let's go flying. The voice of EAA, EAA Radio, 96.5 FM, 1210 AM, and online at eaaradio.net.